kids, let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down. She's talking from the skies and sending lives of feel good sounds. Oh, Betty in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Jets. She's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on, too You know I've never seen a better stew Oh, Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have a lot of stories about Uganda. (laughs) Not all the stories. There were just uh, too many of them, so we'll have some stories in the next episode. But in this episode, we have stories about the Congo, snake bites, fags, chimps, hanky-panky on the airplane, poop, sticks, Fanta, and a catch-up with a past fan favorite and one of my favorites. Let's get on with the show. This is local Ugandan music as we drive to Lake Mumburo. (laughs) So I'm back home after Uganda, and they are working on the condo above me, uh, which is a good sign, which means they're getting closer to getting to my condo for last year's hurricane repairs. But consequently, there's a lot of jackhammering upstairs. So it's just about noon, and uh, I guess they're taking a break from the hammering, so I'm heading into the closet to record stories from Uganda. So I was in uh, the north part of Queen Elizabeth Park, and I was taking a boat ride because you can sort of basically take a boat safari game drive, so a game boat drive, (laughs) because you can get really close to the animals on the boat. They're not afraid of you in a boat. And uh, we saw hippos and elephants and, you know, great. And uh, I'm always talking to the local people. Shocker! (laughs) And I'm on this boat ride, and there's some girls that kind of dress kind of sexy, and they're working on their makeup, you know. I'm excited about the elephants and the hippos, and these girls are, you know, uh, taking selfies and putting on makeup. And I was talking to them. They're from Kampala. And uh, they were like, well, why did you decide to come to Uganda? I got that a lot. And I'm like, oh, I came to see the gorillas. And they're like, why do you want to see gorillas? And I was thinking, why do I want to see gorillas? (laughs) And I was explaining to them, oh, I was going to go to Rwanda, and they just raised the price for the gorillas to $1,500 in Rwanda, but it's still $600 here in Uganda, so in a way, it's a bargain. And they're looking at me like, $600, which is true, It is, and it's still a ton of money to me, but I can understand if you live in Uganda, that's, I don't know, however many million, it's um, 20 million, <laughs> it's a lot, <laughs> And so she says very seriously, she puts her lipstick down for a second, and she said, why do you want to see the gorillas? Do they talk? (laughs) She wanted to know if the gorillas talked. It's good. It's good. So that's the Congo right there. Yes. So this is the borderline. This is the 
yes, the, the borderline, border. yeah. So oh. when 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 they cross to the other side, they are Congolese hippos. <laughs> when they come this side, Ugandan hippos. Yes. So they they share the two nations at once. <laughs> they have two passports. They have two passports, yeah. Yes, yeah, so when uh, we were near the hippos and he was saying that it's the Congo on the one side and Uganda in on the other, it's kind of like hippo in the middle. <laughs> I, I, I Cell service and uh, Wi-Fi and all that was a problem a lot of places because I wouldn't have electricity or there would be no plugs in the room. And I, I have uh, T-Mobile, so I have international data, but lots of times I wasn't getting it. I mean, I was in Uganda. And so then here we are by the hippos <laughs> and across the water, very close, is the Congo. And here my phone chirps. <laughs> And I look down and it says, welcome to the Congo. They have better cell reception in the Congo. And it'll probably be the only time my phone says, welcome to the Congo. <laughs> okay, so you're from... Kampala. Okay. And yeah. so there was a tourist that... Who, like, uh, ask a question. Okay. To this guy, like, how do you call mosquitoes in your language? Right. And this guy who was like, uh, we, no, we don't call mosquitoes. They just come and bite. <laughs> you don't we, don't, call them. we don't call them. They just come and bite. <laughs> I loved the drives in Africa, the villages, seeing how different life is there than here in the United States. Everywhere I went, kids would come screaming like I'm a celebrity. <laughs> They'd scream, Mizugu, Mizugu, which means white. <laughs> It's like um, feeling like royalty in a way, having everybody yelling whenever they just get a glimpse of you. And on the side of the road, there'd be monkeys and baboons and birds. I mean, it's just fantastic. So I was staying in a forest camp, Broadbill Forest Camp. What a pretty tent. It had a bathtub. Never seen a tent with a bathtub and it had this really interesting shower and I was kind of excited about using the shower. It just had, uh, at the bottom of the shower, they had large rocks, like, well, I wouldn't say large. They were like two, three inches, so not tiny rocks, but not giant rocks, so just round rocks. And I was like, okay, <laughs> well, I get in there, and when these rocks get wet, they're slippery. And I'm trying to balance, and I'm like using the walls, trying to hold both hands on the walls to try to stand on these wet rocks. And then this giant moth comes flying in, and I'm dodging the moth, and I'm falling on the rocks, and I'm laughing. And then I decide, all right, I got I to gotta figure this out. I thought, maybe I'll get my flip-flops, you know, a larger service, better to balance on big, loose rocks. <laughs> Well, I wanted to wash my feet. I've been hiking, for goodness sake. So I, I soap up, and now my feet are sliding on the flip-flops, which are sliding on the wet rocks. And here comes that big bug again. And I'm dodging the bug, and I'm laughing. And I was thinking, you know, someone shouldn't have this much fun or laugh this much in a shower alone. So this is, uh, is it a local cure for a snake bite? Um, uh, this is kind of a local cure, but uh, mostly it is not everyone that knows it, not every local, but yes. just a few people. Yeah. Okay. So you get bitten by a snake, what do you do? Actually, uh, we have what we call a black stone. Where do you get it? 
Uh, Braxton, you get bones, different bones. Bones? Yeah, bones from the wild. They have to be wired. Animal bones? Yes, animal bones, the wow. remains. Then after getting them, you cut them into small squares of about uh, two, three centimeters. Okay, what do you do And then that? after doing that, you smoothen them with like um, sun, uh, uh, sand, they call it the sandpaper? Sand, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you make them very smooth. Yes. And after that, you put them in a foil. You cover them up. Foil? Yeah, you know foil? Foil? Yes, yes. And then you put like in a, a, a metallic okay. container. You cross so that it is tight. Now, what is, how is that going to help this and then, like? and then I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you heat it up on fire. Okay, you heat it up. You heat it up. Uh, uh, that, that container okay. containing the, the, the bones. No, 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 no. Just Th- these are prepared, okay. and then you get uh, the result is what you move with. In case you are bitten by a snake, so what you, you keep use. It with you. Yeah, you keep it with you. But then what you just put it on the snake bite? Yeah, if you are bitten by a snake, uh, you make cuts. You cut on, your skin. Yeah, on the bitten area. Yeah. And then you tie it up. You tie it up with the bone. Yeah, you, you tie up the bone, one bone, just one like this, over the bitten area. You tie it up and you allow it for about 12 hours. It works? It sucks out the poison. It sucks it out? Yes, it yeah. sucks out the <laughs> It sucks out the poison totally. That's it is, amazing. It is known as the black stone. Black stone. Yeah, does, yeah. Does it matter what animal it is? No, no, it doesn't matter. But it has to be a wild animal. Wild? Yeah, wild animal. Mostly and un- 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 vegetarians. Vegetarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, you know these herbs have different oh. importances and what they can pray in the road. Okay, so name a few of the vegetarian wild animals that might work. I can get elephants, buffaloes, oh. hippos, uh, most antelopes like the cobs, waterbucks, bushbucks, topies. All a those lot. can work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have one now? No, no, I don't have one currently. <laughs> yeah, I don't have one. Yeah, but uh, back at, at the college, we used to have one, uh, each one, I uh, used to make these stones. Because at the college, I studied the wildlife tourism management. Okay, but now, have you ever seen it work? Yes, yes. And it worked? Yes, I've seen it work. <laughs> I've seen it work. <laughs> That's fantastic. Sounds like a frog. I went to this uh, Lake Muntanda Resort. It was a beautiful uh, hotel. They were the ones that were able to get me uh, the gorilla tracking permit. So uh, it was a little more expensive than I was used to paying there. But, you know, for, for every, anywhere else, it would have been still a really good price. And um, it's the night before the gorilla tracking. My stomach is like flip-flopping. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I've been wanting to do this for a decade. I'm finally getting to do it. Ah! <laughs> And there's torrential rains, torrential rains, like rain like you've never heard before. Just like you could barely walk in. There was so much rain. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, it's going to be too muddy. Um, I've, you know, I've done hikes before. There was actually a guy staying in my hotel and he was mentioning a hike. He was like, oh, with all this rain, I'm afraid it's going to be like Ometepe. And I'm like, Ometepe? I, I did Ometepe. It's the volcano in Nicaragua. And uh, we had so much rain. It was so muddy that I must have fallen like 12 times. It was like the most miserable hike. And then there was, not, there was no payoff at the end of the hike. And he was like, that was the worst hike I've ever done. Now I'm afraid that's what the gorillas are going to be. And I was kind of like, oh, no, no, no. 
please, no. <laughs> well, get up in the morning. My driver had said, uh, you'll have breakfast at 6. We'll leave at 6.30. Great. Well, like 5.45, a guy from the hotel, really nice guy, uh, is like uh, saying, hello, hello. And I'm like, hello. He's like, you're late. I'm like, I'm not late. He's like, uh... Yeah, I think you better get going. And I was thinking, I haven't had breakfast. I'm not going to have breakfast before what could be an 18-hour hike. So I went and had breakfast. Um, I I didn't know why everybody was getting all worked up, you know. So, But I, I ate really fast, went back. I wanted to make sure I had all my stuff, you know. They're like, okay, let's go. And I'm like, wait, you know, I need to have, oh, you know, I got to make sure I have all my stuff. This is the gorilla day. <laughs> so we get in the car and there were these two Dutch guys staying at the hotel, the one who had been on the Ometepe hike. And they want, they want to come with us because my driver knew where to go and they didn't know where to go. Uh, but my driver was driving kind of slow because the roads were really, really bad. Uh, so then eventually they, they got out in front of us, I guess when they figured out they knew where they were going. And they're ahead of us. It had rained so much the day before. Well, now we're on the road, and another safari vehicle is coming back the other way, and he stops and motions to us to roll our window down. So we roll the window down, and he said, the road is impassable. Can't make it. You know, the only other way would be to go the other way around. It's going to take a good three hours, so we're just not going to be able to do the gorilla tracking today. And it was kind of like, I mean... I paid all this money. I flew to Africa. You know, now uh, these people are saying, they said, well, we're turning back because you can't, there's a flood. You can't get through. It's it's impassable. And then he goes, you know, it's a black guy. And uh, he goes, the two whites up there, they're going to turn around too. They can't get through. The two guys that we were with, the Dutch guys. And I was just kind of like, oh, and I'm looking at my driver. He's looking at me and he's like, well, let's at least go look. So we go to look and I'm already thinking, oh, oh. You know, $600. <laughs> I flew all the way here. It's so hard to get a permit. Now there's a flood. So we get to where the road is flooded, and the two whites, I just think that's funny, that's what they called them, uh, are on the other side of the flood. They had gone through, and now they're telling us their car won't start, I guess because of the water. So now we're like, okay, the other car has turned back. This car has gone through, but their car won't start. And I say to my driver, can I walk? You know? <laughs> It was like another hour drive from there. He's like, no, you can't walk. <laughs> I was just getting a little desperate. So he goes, all right, I'm going to go through. And I'm like thinking, you are? Uh, so we go through the flood, make it to the other side. My driver, the hero, starts the other guy's cars. And we made it. And we got to go gorilla trekking. Now, I mentioned before that I was hoping for older people to be on my hike because I was told that they size up the the physicality, you know, how physically fit people are as to which gorillas you go see. So the older people get to go to see the closer gorillas, the fitter people have to go further. <laughs> and I guess because I arrived with the two 28-year-old, six-foot-two in-shape Dutch guys, guess who my group was? And I guess we were probably supposed to have those other people who didn't make it. I don't know what happened. You know, they didn't get to see the gorillas because of the flood because their guy turned around. So thank goodness I tipped my driver well. <laughs> um, so now it's me and two young 28-year-old fit guys. And uh, like the first good hour, hour and a half was like straight up in the heat. And I was kind of thinking, oh, 
oh, if this is going to be eight hours, I don't think I'm going to make it. You know, like, oh, the guys were way ahead of me, and I hate to be the slow one. But uh, eventually, it kind of leveled off, and we saw some gorilla poop. It was green and kind of in balls. It was, and I was so excited that we saw gorilla poop that my energy got up, and I was, <laughs> you know, I got my second wind caught up to the young guys. So then we get, we say the trackers had gone ahead of us and they said, okay, we're getting close to the gorillas. Now, uh, they had given us a stick because it was so muddy. And that stick was like a godsend because you could stick it in the dirt and then so not fall in the mud like I did. I should have had a stick in Omatempe. Uh, the stick was great. And they go, okay, now you got to leave the sticks behind because the gorillas are afraid of sticks. And I'm like, but you guys have guns. Shouldn't they be more afraid of the guns? Then a girl with a stick. And they're like, nope, they're afraid of sticks. I'm like, okay, we leave the stick. And they're like, leave everything and just take your camera. But, you know, I kind of wanted my recorder in case I could hear them. Um, so I, I'm holding... I got, I, luckily, I had brought gloves. I had read somewhere, thank goodness, to bring gloves, like gardening gloves or leather gloves, because it's called the Bowindi Impenetrable forest. Well, it's called impenetrable for a reason because it's impenetrable. <laughs> it's This is now when we're going into the thicket. This is like branches and thorns and brush everywhere. Like basically you have to become one with the forest. You have to decide there's there's mosquitoes and bugs buzzing around your face. There's thorns everywhere. There's there's just thicket. And you have to decide that none of it matters because I'm going to see the gorillas. You know, I just basically had to, like, embrace everything. <laughs> embrace the forest. Because literally, that's what you'd have to do. Like, the one of the young, fit guys up ahead of me, he must have fallen, like, four or five times. I fell, like, three times. Uh, one time, I tumbled ass over tea kettle, kind of like a kid doing a somersault. <laughs> In the jungle. <laughs> I kind of wanted to say, uh, clumsy person in the jungle. <laughs> There's a clumsy person in the forest. <laughs> but then we came up on this juvenile gorilla. And I was so excited. I got a tear in my eye. I like, I was like, oh my gosh, I did it. Here's here's a gorilla in the wild, a real life gorilla. And just then a bug flew into my eye. And I just got in contacts uh, because I didn't want to use the readers. I'm kind of in denial of getting older and like the whole glasses thing. So I have a contact. So now there's a bug in my contact. And I was going to embrace the forest. Remember, I'm embracing the forest. I'm embracing the scratches and the bug bites. But that bug in my contact... (laughs) I couldn't see. I had one eye closed. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm with the gorillas. And I'm not going to be able to see them because I got a bug. And I was like, I'm thinking, should I take the glove off? Should I try to take the contact out? My eyes are watering. I'm like, oh, crap. But eventually... My, I, I basically got enough tears, I think, in my eyes that uh, the bug, and then we're still, we're, we're, we're going through the jungle, and we're like, literally like, your stomach, basically we were like monkey crawling. I don't even know what it's called, but like, basically, my stomach was on the forest floor, <laughs> different times when we were you know, like, come over here. And then we saw the silverback, the silverback, oh, the silverback literally looked into my eyes. He looked into my eyes for a long time. I was starting to feel a little bad for those two guys because I thought, he's just looking at me. And I thought, maybe he's looking at me because I I basically was... (laughs) 
couldn't stop giggling and squealing. And I think he was probably thinking, what is all this noise from this blonde person? What is this? So he kept looking at me. And then at one point, we were about four feet away, four or five feet away from the silverback, me and the two big Dutch guys. And this silverback goes, ah! and his arm comes towards us. And he felt like he was he was going to charge at us. And those two guys and myself, we screamed like little girls, like, ah! <laughs> because it's so scary. He's gigantic. And he started towards us. <sighs> but you know what? The guide said, oh, he's just messing with you. He just wanted to scare you. <laughs> I don't know if that was the truth, but those two guys scream like little girls. I didn't mind that I screamed like little girls, but they did too, because it was scary. So then we did some more crawling, uh, one with the forest into another spot, and now we're, we're near the silverback again. We got to spend most of the time with the silverback, which was exciting. And there was this loud noise, and I was like, what is that? And the guide goes, he's farting. And I, right then I'm turning on my recorder because I would have loved to have that gorilla fart. My God, it was impressive. I didn't even know what it was. It was so loud and so long. And then I kept hoping he'd fart again. <laughs> I didn't fart again. <laughs> That's what I'm impressed with, the gorilla fart. <laughs> but you know what? It was so exciting. It was like adrenaline and it was like just what I wanted. Actually, it was more exciting than I imagine. It's so nice when something exceeds your expectations. You know, to see them, they're like, a, it's a magnificent creature. Like, you just realize the ma majesty of the world. At one point, he stood up to get some higher up leaves. And that when he stood, because, you know, he's mainly um, sitting. And when he stood, he was so big and massive. Like, those two guys were like, <gasps> and I was like, <gasps> You know, it's just like, you just realize how incredible the world is and Mother Nature is. And I was just felt so in awe of actually getting to see these creatures. Uh, the next, that night, I was I was like on a high for a long time. It's kind of like jumping out of an airplane. <laughs> the gorillas, I, I'd put them right up there with the same thing. Jumping out of an airplane and coming face to face, eye to eye with a silverback gorilla. And then um, the, at the hotel, there, this couple, they showed me a video that they had. I wish I, I should have had them send me the video. I would have loved to share it with you. They saw a baby, like we saw a juvenile, but they saw a baby. And um, he was up on this very slim um, branch. Okay, so it's just like a stick in the air. And you could tell, you could see, in the video, you could see the apprehension in this little tiny gorilla, you know, thinking like he's got to walk across it. Like it's like a high wire and he's nervous and he walks across and he makes it and he gets to the other side and he goes, ah. like literally he had his arms out kind of like, I did it. Ah. <laughs> just amazing. Uh, Mr. Emergency Exit, uh, with a whole office um, in, his, you know, in the exit. Tray tables down, computers Stuff up, every yeah. printers, uh, mouses. Printers? Yeah, the whole thing, the whole shebang. And I'm like, oh, I guess I became an office now. <laughs> so I'm doing, you know, final coming check, and I would say, Sir, you know, we're about to take off, will you visit time? And, you know, put your just, office away? Put your office away. <laughs> And um, he said, and then I said, oh, okay, fine. We go back again. And I see it and I said, sir, we're like number five for takeoff. We really need to get this going. 
to put it away. And then that's when the captain said, ladies and gentlemen, we're number two for departure, five seconds, please be seated. So I go over to him and I uh, said, sir, now we really have to put it away. And, yeah. So I turned around and he said, well, it had to be a fag. And I said, and I turned around and said, yeah, that's really true. I am a fag. And I love men. But still, you're still going to have to do what I tell you to do, which is put your stuff away. Which is it going to be? You or me? And I'm pretty sure it's going to be me. Yeah, and you're right. Yeah, I said, the facts said you're going to put it away. I love it. If you've noticed that some of the audio, the recordings, sound a little strange in this podcast, um, when I was tracking the gorillas, I had my stick and I had a backpack. And when we got to the point where we were going into the thicket, uh, into the bush into the brush uh, they said you got to leave your stick because gorillas are afraid of sticks and um you could just take your camera and i wanted to take my recorder and i thought maybe i can record some of the noises from the gorillas you know i'm always thinking of you guys <laughs> so i've got my recorder and my camera and i also needed to keep using a hand to grab stuff and move branches away so i'd put the recorder and the camera in one hand uh and then at some point i was like um manhandling the forest. <laughs> I was using my gloves hands, you know, to claw and crawl and fall through the jungle. And I think uh, some of the settings got rumbled on my recorder. <laughs> and I didn't realize it for a long time. I believe they are, uh, my recorder is now de-gorilla forested and back to normal. Over breakfast at my tented camp, I was talking to the 20-year-old girl that works there. I was the only, lots of places, I was like the only guest. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know what brought it up, but I just kind of decided to tell her some of the crazy things people in America do. <laughs> And I started explaining um, that cryotherapy that I mentioned a few podcasts back about how wealthy people go to these places, which are basically a big freezer where you put yourself in the freezer, like minus 200 degrees to burn fat and help with recovery. You know, it's like a um, $65 for two minutes. And I'm telling her all this and she's looking at me like, you're joking. I'm like, I'm not joking. People do this. They pay this and then they scream. <laughs> it's so cold. <laughs> And she was like, oh, I'd rather be fat. <laughs> and she was said, um, you know, uh, Americans can be crazy. And I'm like, you know, you're right. And uh, I also, that brought up another thing. I was like, you know, I haven't seen any fat people since I've been in Uganda. And she was like, oh, we have some. <laughs> it's like saying, you know, we have four. <laughs> she goes, they're only in a city. You know, they'd be like the wealthier people. And uh, I was like... Oh, that's so interesting. But um, the people, they work hard. They do a lot of walking. They're working in the fields. And they also don't have money for processed food. So they don't have any, you know, they grow everything. So they also don't have money for pesticides, that kind of thing. So everything's organic. They use manure for fertilizer. So basically, they're eating a very organic diet. And uh, I never saw a single fat person. Go figure. Get this, this next 
audio clip is a chimpanzee in the wild. How exciting is that? Uh, it's impressive, and I think you are having sex. I got it. I love it. I got hired oh, okay. in 1988, and we were on a 727, and we were doing a service from uh, Minneapolis to New York, LaGuardia. And there was this guy on the very last row seat on the 727, uh, first officer side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, aircraft right, aircraft left, not gonna cut it. Um, and uh, so, he kept looking at me and I'm like um, Mr. Man we're about to land yeah. I need your tray and I realized yeah and, I, I just, and then I realized that Mr. Man wasn't eating Mr. Man had a blanket over him oh. and he was entertaining himself yes. and I looked at him and I said we're about to land and he literally looked in my eyes he says I'm not dead yet. And I just froze. And it takes a lot of me to freeze, but I just went like, ah, okay. And I turned around and left. And then I had another one. We were going to Amsterdam, uh, 747 400, uh, JFK to Amsterdam. And we only had about maybe uh, 180 passengers. So people were making little tents so they can go to sleep and, you know. So we're doing a water walk and all I can hear was, eh, eh, eh. And I was talking my best friend Veronica and I'm looking at her and she's like, is that what we think it is? And she goes, mm-hmm. So, were they by themselves or not by themselves? Oh, they were by themselves. They were a couple. There were a couple. So then, uh, Ding Dong here knocked on the uh, <laughs> overhead. I can't believe I'm saying this. No, I knocked on the uh, blankets <laughs> like they're gonna hear. You can't knock on I, I know, right? <laughs> and I'm going like, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, and I lifted the the uh, the blanket. And I look at my friend Veronica and I went like, <laughs> open my eye and I'm like, uh, sir, um, you're on an airplane. Uh, you, there are children around. You can't do this. And she goes, and he goes, well, we're just having a really good time. And really I, good time. a really good time. And then I said, well, I'm happy having a really good time, but your party has been officially terminated. <laughs> so I grabbed the blanket oh, and took I took it off. I grabbed the blanket and I went, boom. <laughs> And there she is with her bra. The man has his shirt off. And then that's one of the things you go like, does this really go out in the world? And then I was telling, you know, I still, I was telling my best friend, so it's like, you know, we tell these stories and people won't believe us that yeah. this, this really doesn't happen. Crazy people. Crazy people. Crazy people.
I would like to thank any of you who were so kind when you were going to buy something on Amazon. You went through my website, BettyInTheSky.com. doesn't cost you any more. It supports the show. I like to see what people buy. Four of you clicked through and bought my first book of fiction, Tar. It's a Tar Collection, book one. And the second one, The Tar Maker, we're finishing up editing it right now, so it should be out probably by the next episode. And this is exciting, well, to me. <laughs> the audiobook is out. It's available on Audible, Amazon, and iTunes. It's actually cheapest on Amazon. You could click through. <laughs> That's like a double support purchase. Uh, and also, I have a link on Audible on my website, bettingthesky.com. If you click through the audio link, you get uh, two books to start. It's a free Audible trial. You get two books to start, and you can cancel at any time. I didn't say that. You can cancel at any time. <laughs> So this way, you can get the book for free if you would like. I am going to include a sample at the end of this episode. I'm putting it at the end, so if you're not interested, uh, you don't have to listen. But if you are, it's a sample chapter. It's about four minutes, and this way you can see if it's maybe something you might be interested in. Okay, some of the other things people bought on Amazon last month was Mr. Popper's Penguins and Lucky Bloke Premium large condoms. <laughs> Lucky bloke. I really do like to see what people buy. So if you're going to buy something on Amazon, please consider going to my website, bettingthesky.com. And I thank you so, so, so much. Wait, so how old was the oldest person here? Um, What's the name of your village? Uh, my name, it was in Bushen, in my home village. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, in my home village. And uh, that uh, old man had lived up to 105 years. It is a lot of lot of years. For... How was he towards the end? Was he able to like do things? I want to show you the photo here. I, okay. have, <laughs> I have the photo you will tell by yourself. But he was so strong. But you don't even have much medical care, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, most of these local uh, old people, uh, they used to feed mostly uh, on... Natural things? Oh, oh yeah, natural things. You can't give him cooking oil. You can't give him all that, the sugar. They don't take. So they are more local. So And that helps them to, you never know, to keep longer. But is that normal to live that long? Okay, so I was told that you don't drink much water. How much water do you drink a day? A half. Of a half of glass. A half of one glass? Yes. A day? Uh, not, uh, not, uh, not, uh, not every day. You don't even drink a half a glass every day? No, <laughs> just uh, maybe after after two days, after two days. Then you have a half a glass of water? Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, so we, we're supposed to drink eight glasses of water a day. Eight, eight glasses? <laughs> that sounds like a lot to you. Oh, <laughs> me, I use only, one, only a half of glass, a half. <laughs> After two days, after two days. So even the people working in the fields, they work hard, they don't drink water? As as they don't, they just don't take any. Any water, no water? Yes. Oh my gosh. Questions? (laughs) Do you take any vitamins? Vitamins? Do you know what vitamins are? Vitamins, what does it mean? (laughs) It's like a pill you take to be healthy. 
You probably don't take any pills. Do you take any pills? Or pills? No. <laughs> Well, well, let's see. This woman came back. I don't know if I can tell it's a little dirty. That's okay. This woman came back running. One of our flight attendants says, someone pooped right outside the bathroom door. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. They go, no. And she's getting gloves on to try to go, yeah, yeah. you know, get some really gloves. And I go up there and the line's getting long. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I take a seafoam towel and pick it up. I had given a little boy a chocolate chocolate chip cookie. And out of uh -oh. all places that it dropped, it dropped right so outside the door. <laughs> chocolate chip cookie. So one of our other flight attendants who's really funny was sleeping downstairs and I said we have to reenact this. I have had poop right outside the bathroom door so I was like did it I was thinking did it happen to you too because I had that. Oh my god. So yours was a chocolate chip cookie. Chocolate, a chocolate chocolate chip cookie. Oh. So we reenacted it and this time instead of going with a towel with a with the paper towel I just grabbed it with my hands and she about fell over. So it was kind of fun. So I, I didn't, I wasn't on an organized safari. I didn't have a company. I didn't, I didn't do what most people do in Uganda. And I could see why they do it because uh, the roads were so bad. I initially had planned on taking buses and things like that, but the roads were so bad. And a lot of the places I was going, there really wasn't any public transportation from place to place unless I was on a, um, you know, a motorcycle, but I don't know how I was going to put my suitcase and myself on a motorcycle and plus those bad roads. So I did end up hiring drivers, but I liked the way I did it. And I would suggest it. Well, depends. Uh, I, but I've been on a regular safari. And the thing I don't like about it, whereas there's very little to not like. I mean, I love the game drives. I love everything about it, but it's so organized. It's so uh, controlled that Sometimes it's a little rushed. Like uh, what happens is you're you have you're doing this at this time, you're doing that at that time. Then we're having lunch. Then we're driving to here. Then we're having dinner. Then you have to be up at seven because then we're driving to. So you can stay in a lot of nice places. These places I was staying at in Uganda, the one of the ones I liked the best was seventy five dollars a night, including all three meals. It was on the river, and I had a view of the river from my shower. And the problem is, if you stay at one of these places when you're on an organized safari you're going to be there for a couple hours. You don't ever get to really appreciate it or talk to people as much. And so I stayed an extra night in a lot of these places. So I got to really be there and talk to people. And I just liked it so much better. And I also like that uh, lots of times if you organize one of these safaris, basically you're paying a large company, people who already have money, and then the people, your drivers and stuff, don't get that much of it. So this way, by I hired directly the drivers, they get all the money. So it basically helps, I feel like it serves the community better. Uh, but you know, it does have some ifs and buts because I didn't really know how I was getting from place to place and people would be like, who are you with? And I'm like, I'm not with anyone. And they're like, what do you mean you're not with anyone? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not with anyone, it's just me. So I love, actually, this happened to me the last time I was on safari. I love talking to the people. and. Uh, in some ways, even more than the animals, even though the animals are so impressive. Uh, I was talking to Julian at Mutanda Lake Resort, and uh, he was a really nice guy, so uh, easy to talk to. And I had been walking around looking at the birds, and great birds. I have a lot of pictures at my Instagram, at uh, Betty in the Sky. Uh, 
There's a lot of really good pictures. It was so photogenic. I think I took like 600 pictures. Anyway, he, he seemed to like the birds too. And he was out looking at the birds. And he was talking and we, he said, well, you know, it'll never be possible for me to go to the United States. It's just not possible. And I thought, oh, you know, it's so, it's so unfair. He does the same thing I do. He basically you know, I basically serve Coke and chicken, and yet I can go to his country, and he can't come to mine. And then I was walking. This was in Lake Mumburo, and uh, there's no fences on the parks there. So just walking, uh, you get to see a lot of animals. I'd see zebras. I'd see have zebras at breakfast. Where in the world do you get to have zebras at breakfast. Uh, I'd walk and I'd see zebras and impalas and it's just fantastic. And I I was walking and I got to the national park where you have to pay to go in and you have to pay a guide to go in. And uh, there were like three guards sitting there in plastic chairs under the trees. And uh, I just went over and sat down with them and they were like, well, who are you with? Again, I'm like, I'm not with anyone. They're like, what do you mean you're not with anyone? What's your program? I'm like, I don't have a program. (laughs) I'm like, I, they're like, well, how did you get here? I'm like, just walked here. It was like an hour. And uh, then they relaxed and we just sat there having a conversation. And I don't think that happens that often uh, that they actually just chat casually with a muzugu white. <laughs> so this one guy just started asking me questions and it was so powerful. He said, um, you know, we hear about the United States in school. We see it in movies and Hollywood. But, you know, sometimes it's hard to know if it's really real. And I'm like, well, no, it's real. And he's like, so the White House is real? And I'm like, yeah, it's real. And he's like, well, what about the power the United States has. Like, I've heard that the arm of the United States is like the arm of the world. But, you know, we're so far away. Is that, is that true? It's like, he said, sometimes I wonder if it's actually really there because we'll never see it. Ah, I'll tell you what, you know, talking to the people, it makes you appreciate everything. It makes you appreciate being in the United States and um, all of the privileges that I have. And uh, maybe that's part of the reason I feel so alive when I'm in these places because it makes you step back and realize how, you know, how much we have and how much sometimes we take it for granted. Because, you know, the United States is real. <laughs> Thank goodness. This next clip, I was on a game drive with a guide, a guide um, guard with a big gun, like a long gun. And I'm in the back seat because I had my driver and my guide. I didn't do that that often because uh, I found I could just walk and see a bunch of stuff myself. But I, this time I had the guide and I said, um, hey, do you have any stories? <laughs> you know, they're looking at you like, what? I got my recorder out. And then uh, I find that uh, it's easier to ask people to do something than to come up with something. Uh, if I ask them a question, it's better. And I said, um do you know any local songs? And he was like, "Uh, uh." I said, how about the national anthem? Can you sing the national anthem? And I I know he was thinking, no tourist has ever asked me to sing on a game drive before, but here he is. 
Uganda may go the pause We lay our future in thy heart United free for everybody together we always start That was fantastic! <laughs> so I had just talked to those security guards and had that wonderful conversation where they were asking me if the United States was real. Walking back, and I see a sign for the Leopard Rest Camp. And it said, like, um, you know, game drives, uh, sunset drinks. I thought, you know what? I'll go have a drink. You know, I was just walking. and I already walked for like an hour and a half. And I thought, yeah, I'll go have a beer uh, to watch the sunset. Sounds great. So uh, that was a really nice place. Very inexpensive, very casual and friendly. And there was a guy who worked there, Ronnie, and he, he was showing me around. And I like to, you know, I like to see other places in case I'm telling people, because this place, like you could camp for like $5 a night. Uh, and then they had tents with like, you know, you could have all your meals. And, um, you know, it was just a, a nice, friendly place. And I uh, had my beer. And then I don't know, for some reason, he was like, can I walk you back? You know, can I walk you home? I'm like, all right. So we're, we're walking home and uh, we run into their security guard for their camp uh, on his bicycle. And he's got this skinny stick, like a, a really skinny stick. And I, then I was bringing up, hey, uh, and he said, well, the stick is for the animals, like elephants and buffalo. And I'm like, that little stick is for fighting elephant and buffaloes. And I said, it's so weird because when I was tracking the gorillas, they said the gorillas were afraid of sticks. Um, and I was thinking, but you guys have a gun. <laughs> so then Ronnie was explaining to me and the security guy that you pretend like you're asleep. You pretend like you're asleep. And then when the buffalo or the elephant gets close... Then you wake up and then you're close to them with the stick and then they're afraid of the, of you, a man, with a stick close by. And I'm thinking, good Lord, you should pay him a million dollars. He's going to pretend like he's sleeping until a wild animal gets close and then he's going to try to fight him off with that skinny stick. It's preposterous. <laughs> uh, and he said, oh, the security guy was like, yeah, it's better if you're naked uh, because animals... Uh, afraid of your colorful clothing. And if you are naked, then you're kind of just like another animal and they're not interested in you. And I was kind of thinking, so you're going to be naked, pretend like you're sleeping, and let wild animals get close to you, and then you're going to fight them off with a skinny stick. <laughs> I don't want that job. <laughs> then I was also wondering if these guys are just pulling my leg and they just want to see if I'll get naked with a stick. <laughs> I love it. One of the best days I had in Africa, I was in Lake Bunyanyi, staying at a really nice hotel. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, the hospitality in Uganda was astounding. Like, if you were having dinner and it was cold, they'd bring you out like a little, your own little fire. They'd put like a hot water bottle in your bed and your tent. I mean, it's just lovely. It's like being like royalty 
<laughs> anyway, one of the best days I had, um, we had taken, it was a kind of a long drive to get there and that driver had left and I hadn't arranged a new driver. Uh, so I had a couple days there and uh, I took a lot a walk. I just went walking and the kids would come running, mazugu, mazugu. <laughs> and at one point, I had 11 small children following me, just like I had an entourage of small black children. <laughs> so I decided to make friends with them. So I showed them some hand tricks. There's things I do on the plane with kids. So I just was doing the same thing with them. And uh, I was singing some songs with them. Eventually, we started skipping. I started skipping through the town with 11 children, <laughs> like the Pied Piper. And uh, they were fighting over who got to hold my hand. It was so sweet. I had so much fun. And then there was a pub, the Good Life Pub. And I went in there and I said, you know, can I buy them all something like a soda? So I bought them all Fanta orange sodas. And it was so heartwarming. They were the cutest, nicest, most warm children. And it was just one of those travel experiences you'll remember forever. And I have a picture of it. <laughs> it's a great picture. I think I'll use it as the picture for the podcast. with you when you were new yes and you just started flying don't forget cute it's so cute yes you're so cute oh start you're so cute <laughs> yeah i have to start with you're so cute but one of I the know. reasons why you're so cute is you're so enthusiastic about the airplane yes you like the smell yes the i look do of the overhead bins yes even even training and the smell of the oven and the smell of the oven yes okay but now you've been around for a little while seven years so do you still love it i love it <laughs> You know, I think I was meant for this. You know, sometimes uh, I never feel so alive as when I'm in a country like that. And and I'm like so full of awe and wonderment. I'm so curious. I don't mind the troubles, the mudslides. At one point, uh, I had 11 guys trying to get our car out of the mud. I had to tip them all. So I got stuck cars. We had floods. I had a mouse in my tent. You know, bruises. I fell a bunch of times. I had giant bruises. Bats. You know what? It's all worth it. Quite frankly, possibly, weirdly, it's all part of the fun. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with the Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. And stay tuned if you want to hear a chapter from Tar, the Tar Collection, book one, my first book of fiction and my first audio book. Uh, I love it. <laughs> See you next time. Chapter 5. My Mind is a Glow Spike sat in his lazy boy chair and turned on his TV and cracked open a can of beer. That was an interesting deal. 
Blondie is one smart cookie. I would have liked to have stayed in the closet with her cute glowing ass a little bit longer. He settled into his chair and prepared to watch some reality TV. He scratched his dirty, blondish-brown hair, feeling restless and bored. He switched to the news station and then to a financial channel. The news anchor reported end-of-the-day market statistics for a few minutes. Startled, Spike sat up so quickly he spilled some beer on the chair. I don't watch financial programs. What the... He saw his apartment with fresh eyes, realizing the place really needed a good cleaning. Pulling out a new trash bag, he started cleaning and throwing away clutter, when he noticed a dusty Rubik's Cube on a shelf. All of a sudden, it looked overly simplistic to him. Solving the puzzle in under three minutes, he marveled at the toy in his hands. He had never been able to get even one side the same color before. The plastic toy was like his brain. Everything simply snapped into place. I need to organize my business. I need to clean up my appearance to attract a better clientele. I need a plan to market this new commodity. Did I just use the word commodity for the first time? This tar is fantastic. I'm the only dealer with access to a new drug. Everybody is going to want it. I need to keep Blondie happy. I'm going to make a fortune. He turned off the TV to read her detailed instructions with a glow of dollar signs in his eyes. Spike read through Blondie's notes. Why didn't I ask her her name? Her instructions were very well thought out. He was supposed to log on to mymindisaglow at vfemail.net with the password GoMental. Never let the computer remember his password. Never stay signed in. Never send a message. He was to clear his history regularly. All very smart. She was probably smart to begin with, but now on tar, she's ultra smart. All of a sudden, he realized he must be glowing. He jumped up and turned off all the lights. Oh my God, would you look at that? He stripped off all his clothes to see his whole body lit up like a light bulb. He started dancing and jumping around, glowing in the dark. He jumped up on the couch and started throwing punches in the air and pounding his chest like a glowing gorilla. This is going to be so much fun. I'm like a superhero or something. I've got a power. He left the lights off and jumped down to the floor and started doing push-ups, glowing push-ups. If I'm going to be a superhero, I want to look like a goddamn superhero. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. 
code PROGRAM.